morning we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As you're turning there, the children can be dismissed for Children's Church. They're going to meet upstairs in the chapel for the remainder of our time together here. You're welcome to keep them if you'd like with you as well. That's always an option. We would encourage you to do that if you'd like. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I meant to mention this morning as we as we prayed together to, the, to pray for Pastor Ron and Kay. They're gone, obviously, today. Um, they are in Indiana. Uh, well, actually, they're on their way home, I think, today from Indiana. But they were there to see their newest grandson, uh, Michael Carter Wickard, was born to Pete and Kristen. And uh, it's their first baby. And so uh, Pastor Ron and Kay were able to go out there this weekend and see him. And so uh, they're traveling home today, and you can pray for them on their way home. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today. And the reason I, I came to this passage, the reason I wanted to share this passage with you this morning is that throughout this Advent season that we just came out of, that we just finished up really with last week, I have been struck over and over with the idea of, of death coming from life. And in fact, I, I preached a couple times through Advent there and, and I, I kind of hit that theme again and again, thinking about, I think it was the, the idea that there was this dead stump of Jesse. That's the, that's the metaphor that Isaiah uses. That there's this dead stump of Jesse and it's completely lifeless. It's completely dead and it's just like all the other stumps of kingdoms in that forest. And yet there's life that rises from the dead, dead stump. And that's not the only place throughout scripture. In fact, as we went through the Advent story, we saw over and over that God continued to bring death, continued to bring life from death. He brought life from death over and over. It was the, it was the sprout from the dead stump of Jesse. It was, it was redemption that came from the, the dead line of Naomi's family in the story of Ruth when we looked at that story. It's the birth that came from the dead womb of Sarah when we talked about the promise that came to Abraham, the blessing that came to Abraham. It's the renewal of life that followed the death of all things on earth during the flood and in the time of Noah that we talked about. God continues over and over in Scripture. These are just the things we talked about during Advent, but over and over through Scripture, he gives us pictures again and again and again of life coming from what is seemingly dead. What is dead, not seemingly, is dead. And Advent really, for us, is a celebration of people who trusted in promises that everyone else, everyone else around them thought were lifeless, thought were dead, thought had no hope. Advent is that there were some that did trust in those promises and hope for the life that would come from them. But we all have moments, we all have those times where where darkness seems so real and hope seems so far away that all we can think about is death. We can only fathom death. We can only see that because our, our eyes are so down-focused that life seems impossible, that it seems far-fetched, that it seems unbelievable that those things can even happen. And so even in those stories, we begin to rationalize in our head. We say things like, well, Sarah hadn't had any babies in her, and she was old, and her womb was dead, but people lived longer back then, so maybe it wasn't really that dead. Maybe there was hope that she might still have a baby. Naomi's family line, it wasn't completely dead. In fact, when, when they finally get back to their homeland, they, there's, there's actually two 
kinsman redeemer in the story. So her, her family line wasn't totally dead. Or the earth couldn't have been totally destroyed in Noah's flood. There, there had to be some kind of life somewhere. The stump wasn't entirely dead. There probably was some kind of growth deep in it that just started to come and sprout a sprig. It's not totally, it's not dead, dead. That's what we begin to think. At least that's what I, maybe you're not like that. That's what I think. I begin to rationalize it in my head and I begin to try to think of other things. And so if we do that through scripture and we start to, start to think of all these dead things that, that life comes from, pretty soon we, we get to the, the big one. That's what's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We get to that place where, where Jesus is crucified on the cross. He's brought down. He's put in the tomb and he's dead. And then three days later, the Bible tells us he's alive. And so then we begin to think about that and we begin to try to rationalize it and we begin to maybe say things like, maybe Jesus wasn't really dead, dead. Maybe he was kind of dead or mostly dead or looked dead. Maybe they put a man who wasn't quite dead in the tomb and he just woke up in there and came out. Maybe he wasn't completely dead, but his spirit then was strong enough to come and appear to the disciples afterwards and to spend that time teaching other believers before he ascended to heaven. It wasn't really his body. It was his spirit that came out. Maybe Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead and we begin to think. That that seems a little far-fetched. That's what we want to say today. Ah, oh, that, that, we, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Yet as I talk through that, I think there's probably some of us that think, oh, I do have questions, I have thoughts. I, sometimes I wonder. That's the Corinthian church. That's where Paul is writing to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. They believed in Jesus. They were believers. They believed that, that God sent his son to come and to be the Messiah, to live a perfect life. They believed that. They believed that Jesus died. They believed that. They could get on board with that. But when you start to talk about the resurrection, there were some in the Corinthian church that began to think, well, I, I just don't know. That's, that's pretty hard to believe. I don't have a frame of mind to put that in. I don't have a reference to put that in. It's a little bit difficult for me. That scenario is hard for me to comprehend and to get my head around. And so Paul, in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, he just dives right into it. And he says, all right, if that's what you believe, here's where we are. And he gives them an argument in chapter 15, starting in verse 12, that we're going to look at today. He says this, starting in verse 12 of chapter 15. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, 
We are all, of all people, most to be pitied, Paul says. He breaks it down pretty clear. And sometimes as you read through it, you be, the circular reasoning, the things that get repeated over and over, sometimes we get lost and, 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 and distracted, I think, sometimes in that argument. And so this morning, what I want to do is just show us the seven things, the seven consequences, really, that Paul, that Paul sets out for the Corinthians church to say, if you don't believe that, that death came to life, if you don't believe that Jesus was dead, dead, in the tomb, in the grave, and his body came to life, his heart began to beat, and his lungs began to breathe. And his eyes popped open. And he came out of the grave. His whole body, not just his soul, but his whole flesh and blood, physical body. If you don't believe that, here's the results of the argument. Here's the ramifications of what you believe. And he starts right away. In verse 12 he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed and raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? And then in verse 13 he says, But if there's no resurrection of the dead... Here's consequence number one. Here's argument number one. Then not even Christ has been raised. Not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, if Christ has not been raised, then you today, we today, you and I today, worship a dead man. There's no other way around that. If Christ has not been raised, if he's still in the grave... If his body is still somewhere, maybe not in the grave, but somewhere else that he was moved, he was taken away, he was buried somewhere else, but his body is still on the ground, today you and I, Paul saying to the Corinthian church, today you, the Corinthian church, you worship a dead man. Jesus has not been raised. You worship a dead man. Our Christian faith is unique. We, we don't have a grave to go and visit. We don't have a a tombstone to go and stand beside and pay homage to. You maybe can take a trip to Israel, but when you get there, you're going to see maybe the spot that had the tomb that's now empty. We're not even sure that it's the right one. But there's nowhere for you to go to see a tombstone that says Jesus Christ. Our Christian faith is unique, and we don't have that. But if there's no resurrection of Christ... Our Christian faith becomes just like so many other beliefs. So many other beliefs that have come and gone. It would mean that we've put our faith in a great spiritual leader or a strong guru who lived and died and now is becoming dust. It would mean that our goal would be to be good because his example for us was good. That would be our only hope if Jesus is still in the grave. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, we worship a still dead man. Paul says not only do we still worship a dead man, but our second and third consequences flow directly out of that. It says in verse 14, And if Christ has not been raised, he says, Then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Two things. Our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. He says, and Paul is saying this as, as the preacher, as the leader, as the, as the teacher to, to the church, he says, everything that I'm doing, even the writing of this letter, I'm wasting my time. The message that I've preached to you over and over and over, it's totally a waste of time. And not only is it a waste of time, it's empty. If you have any hope in the message that I've given to you, your hope is empty. 
Your faith is in vain as well. You hold an empty faith. The very thing that I've devoted my life to, Paul says, the very thing that I, Jason Dignan, have devoted my life to, all of the effort, all of our energies, all of our sacrifices, they're all empty if Jesus has not been raised from the grave. Paul says, if his body is still there, everything that I've taught and everything that you believe is all empty. It's hopeless. You can't trumpet lessons that you've learned and successes that you've had if it's all been a waste of time. Your life has been built on nonsense. You've clung to empty promises and you've missed out on whatever joy there might be in living because you have an empty faith if Jesus has not been raised from the grave. Paul says, if, you, if Jesus has not been raised from the grave, we worship a dead man. And our preaching is in vain and our hope is in vain. Our faith is in vain. We hold an empty faith and an empty message. But then fourthly, he says, says there's one more thing that happens if Jesus has really not been raised from the grave. In verse 15, he says, we are even found to be misrepresenting God. Because we testified that God raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it's true that the dead are not raised. He says, if, it, if, if, if you really believe that the dead are not raised, and if that's true, what we've been saying, we've been saying that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead because that's what God has told us. That's what's of, of most importance, it says. If you go back to the beginning of, of chapter 15, it says, says for I, in verse 3 of chapter 15, it says Paul says, I delivered this to you as first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This is of most importance. It's the most important thing that I can tell you, Paul says. But if it's true that Jesus is not raised from the dead and is still in the grave, then what I am saying is of the most importance is actually a lie. It's actually a lie. I'm saying it's the most important thing, but if it's not true, I'm lying. I'm, I'm misrepresenting God. I'm lying about the creator of the universe. I'm misrepresenting God. Paul says you cannot, you cannot think that you believe in God and you follow the one true God who sent a Messiah and then not believe that that man was raised from the grave. We misrepresent God. If Jesus didn't really rise from the grave, then everything that we testify to and everything that we declare is a lie. But then he says, the fifth thing he says, in verse 17, says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you're still in your sins. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, it's empty, you're wasting your time, and you're still in your sins. There's a reason that we need Jesus to be dead, dead, and put in the grave. There's a reason that we don't want him to be kind of dead, mostly dead, a little bit dead, pretty much dead. We need him to be dead, dead, because Scripture is clear, you and I are dead, dead in our sins. There's no hope for us. There's no way for us to work our way out. There's no way for us to just wake up and come to life. We are dead, dead in our sins. 
And the resurrection that Christ has from being dead, dead to back to life is the hope that we have for us being dead in our sins to having hope and life in Christ. Because he holds power, he holds victory over death. And we're dead. So our hope is one that holds victory over over death, that has life after death. That's what we need. There's really two reasons why Jesus might not have been raised from the dead. This is it, this is to the Corinthian people. If they if they believe that that God sent His Son, that Jesus was His Son, that Jesus came and taught these amazing things, and and they believe all that, and they, they then they get right down to the end. They believe that Jesus really was from God, and He was the Messiah. But but when He died, His body stayed there and his spirit raised up and began to to share and and teach and and then his spirit ascended to heaven but his body his physical body is still dead on earth that's what the corinthian people would have believed paul's saying if that's true if jesus's body was not raised if jesus did not come back to life there's really only two reasons why that could be one is he was in fact not actually sinless He died, he faced judgment, he was found guilty of sin, he deserved punishment and received that punishment. He was a finite person with an infinite debt to pay and had to pay it. He could not come back to life because he was not actually sinless. Or, the only other reason why Jesus might might have come and, and been the Messiah but then died and didn't come back to life, he either was sinless or 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 he either was not sinless or he was sinless. And when he died, he went and faced God and faced judgment at the judgment seat and God did not accept the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sins. He said, I, I, I see what you've done. I've seen the, the sacrifice you've made. I've seen the life that you lived, but it's not an adequate sacrifice. It's not good enough. It's not enough. And so... The payment has not been paid in full. The debt still remains. And so, Jesus, you must remain dead. Those are really the only two options for Jesus not to come. Either way, either way, our hope is gone. Either way, we are still lost and dead in our sins. We have no hope. We have no Savior who has conquered death. We have no power over sin and death. We are lost. We are dead. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, we are lost in sin. Then he goes on to say, Also, those that have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished, Paul says. It's not just that you are dead in your sins, but it's all of those that have gone before us. It's every single one that has gone before us that had a hope, that had that, that trusted in the promises that God was going to send a Messiah that was going to send someone who would care for our sin. All of those as well have no hope. They died thinking they would have hope. They died trusting in Christ for their salvation, but they experienced a very different Reality. Instead of awakening in the presence of Jesus Christ's glory, they just faded into black and were gone. Or even worse, they believed that they were falling asleep to awake in the presence of Jesus, but it, they actually died and found themselves separated from God 
and spending an eternity in the torment of hell. Either way, for all of Christian history, God's people have had a confidence that for them, death is like falling asleep and waking in a far better reality. They've fallen asleep confidence that they will experience the blessing of God because of the resurrection of Jesus. If there's no resurrection, they've been wrong. We've all been fooled into believing a lie and those people are victims. There is no hope for those who have fallen asleep. They've just gone and perished if the truth is that Jesus is still in the grave. And then Paul ends it, really, with one final nail in the coffin. He says, says, everything that we've taught is in vain. Everything that we've believed is in vain. You're still dead in your sins. Jesus' body is still in the grave and we worship a dead man. All of those that have gone before us and died, they all have perished. There's no hope for them either. And then he says this at the very end on verse 19. He says, and if Christ, he says in verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, because we only have life now, because those who have gone on before us, they've, they've perished, they've faded away into nothing, then we, of all people, must be pitied. We must be pitied. He doesn't say, you know what, it's, it's, it's been a pretty good run. If you believe... If you believed in, in Jesus and you've trusted the Messiah and you, you've, had a, you've had a pretty good life, but it's just not going to work out in the end. That's not what he says. He says, if you've done this, you have wasted your time. And not just wasted your time, but the world, the world should look at us and they should pity us. Because we have built up our hope in something that is hopeless. People should pity us for believing in something so silly, something so hopeless. Paul doesn't pull any punches. He says, if you don't believe that dead came to life, that a dead Jesus, a dead man, a dead physical body was in that tomb, and his dead heart began to beat and his dead lungs began to breathe, his dead eyes opened up, his dead brain began to work, If you don't believe that, then we should just be pitied. But then he says, if you've looked on, in verse 20, he says this, but, but, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. That's our celebration today. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. His heart did begin to beat. His lungs did begin to breathe. His brain did begin to work. His eyes did begin to see. His arms began to move. His physical body became, his dead, dead physical body became alive. Death came to life. And in that moment, in that split second, when those eyes popped open and that heart began to pump, In that moment, we went from pitiful to hopeful. In that moment, we went from needing to be pitied to having all the hope we could ever want. He ends the chapter, 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you want to turn there. He ends the chapter in verse 50 saying this. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. But behold, he says, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead shall be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. This perishable body, it must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on imperishable, mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying as it's written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death, he says, is sin. The power of sin is law. But, thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. Your hope is not in vain. Your preaching is not in vain. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has given us hope. The resurrection of Christ has given us hope. The life that has come from death has given us hope. We're no longer lost in our sins. But instead, we can rejoice in the hope that comes through Christ. Our hope is not in vain. Our Savior is not dead. Our faith and our preaching, they are not wasted. God is not a liar. Death is not the final end for those who have gone before us. And we are not to be pitied this morning. But instead, thanks be to God who gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ is what Paul says. Our faith is not in vain, and we have hope. The worship team is going to come and lead us this morning. We're going to sing together one of the songs we sang earlier today. My admonition to you this morning is it's the same as what Paul left with the Corinthian church. Therefore, he says, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, Always abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We are not to be pitied. It's not a waste. It's not hopeless, but instead it's hope-filled because there is life that comes from death. Both for Jesus on that moment when his heart began to beat, his lungs began to breathe, but also for us. We are dead, dead in our sins, but God provides for us hope through the resurrection of Christ. So stand with me this morning. Let's sing together and rejoice in the hope that comes through Jesus. There is love that came for us Humble to our sinner's cross You broke my shame and sinfulness you rose again victorious faith 
faithfulness None can deny Though through the storm And through the fire There is truth That sets me free Jesus Christ Who lives in me You are stronger You are stronger Sin is broken You have saved me It is written Christ is risen Jesus you are Lord of all No beginning and no end You're my hope and my defense You came to seek and save the lost You paid it all upon the cross You are stronger, you are stronger Sin is broken, you have saved me It is written Christ is risen, Jesus, you are Lord of all. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. You are stronger, you are stronger. Sin is broken, you have saved me. It is written, Christ is risen. Jesus, you are Lord of all. Paul said it this way. He said, this is of first importance, that Jesus Christ was dead. And three days later, was resurrected. And today we have hope because it's written in the scriptures that Christ came alive. And that's the hope for us. God, I thank you today that you sent your son, that he lived a perfect life, that his, that his life and sacrifice was exactly what we need and the only thing that we need. And that we can hope in that. That our faith is not in vain. We are not to be pitied this morning. Because Jesus, Jesus came alive for us so that we might live through him. So help us today to be steadfast and to rejoice in the hope that comes through Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning.